Good morning. Can you all hear me all right? All right, good. Uh, Let's open up with a word of prayer. God, thank you for another day of life that you've given us, God, another opportunity to gather today as believers in the body of Christ, God, um, to worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth. God, we thank you and praise you for every opportunity that we have to, to come here and to gather together, God, and also just on a daily basis, Lord, to, to approach you, Lord, through your word and in prayer with freedom. So thank you for that, God. Thank you for all the blessings and freedoms we have here in this land. And Lord, I just pray uh, that during this time, God, that you will just be speaking, speaking through me, God. I pray that you will speak powerfully through your word to us all, God. Open our hearts and our minds to receive your word so that we may not be only hearers of the word, but doers as well, God, because that is what is pleasing to you. God, bless this sermon, bless this time in the service, Lord. May all it result in your glory and your honor and your praise, God, and help us to grow in Christ more and more, both today and forevermore. Lord, we love you and praise you. Spirit, lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I would just like to begin by thanking Brother Darvin for giving me uh, one last opportunity to uh, preach before I head back to Panama later this month. And I'll be heading back to Panama, Lord willing, about August 21st. So uh, I've been looking forward to this for sure. Um, And today we are going to be looking at a very special passage of Scripture. And I thought it was funny earlier that uh, Brother Mike mentioned the book of Titus because the text we're going to be reading is actually from the book of Titus. So I thought that was pretty funny. And a few weeks ago, actually, in a Sunday afternoon Bible study that we have here at Oak Grove, we actually read this passage. And I felt like at the time that it was the perfect thing that I needed to hear. And I feel like it is the perfect thing that we all need to hear today as well. And I would just like to remind everyone here, before we go any further, that God's Word does not change. Amen? God's Word does not change because God Himself never changes. And even though our society and our nation and our world is changing, are changing in some pretty bad ways, God Himself, He never changes. And even though our society is in a state of great moral decline, and even though there are great problems and tribulations that we are facing today, still, our God does not change. And that means that His Word never changes. And that means that we are to submit ourselves beneath His authority, both now and always. Because He was the King yesterday, He's the King today, and He will be the King forever and ever. So today, I would like to challenge both myself and all of you who are present here to live out what we are about to read and hear. So turn with me now to the book of Titus, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Titus, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And the title of the message today will be Remembering Our Story. Remembering Our Story. And as y'all are looking up this text, I would like to share a little bit of, of background for the book of Titus. So, The book of Titus is the Apostle Paul's letter to a fellow believer, a fellow leader in the church named Titus. And Paul wrote this letter with the purpose that Titus should put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town, according to Titus chapter 1, verse 5. So basically, Titus, he was left on the island of Crete by Paul in order to promote order in the churches there and in order to instruct believers in godliness. We have to understand that the word Cretan that we use today to refer to like a morally bad person actually comes 
from the people that lived on the ancient island of Crete. And we all know that the Roman Empire wasn't exactly, they didn't really hold themselves to a high standard of, of godliness or piety, but even the Romans themselves looked at the people of Crete and said, man, they're really, really bad. So these believers on the island of Crete had been saved from this really morally perverse society, and Paul is telling Titus to instruct them in godliness. So he's giving them directions on how to live in the midst, how to live for God in the midst of a pagan society. And I think that is very fitting for us today as well, because we ourselves are living in the midst of a rather pagan society. So let's go ahead and read this full passage here. Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, and then we'll go back through the passage, breaking it down verse by verse. Starting in verse 1. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's a wonderful passage. All right, let's go back to verses 1 and 2 here. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. So Paul, he starts off by saying, remind them, which indicates that this was not a new instruction for the believers on the island of Crete. They had already heard these things that Paul wanted Titus to remind them of, but these things were so important that, Titus, or that Paul felt it was necessary that they be reminded of them. And that should show us today that y'all, believers in Jesus Christ, we need to be reminded of what God's Word says all the time. And when we are listening to a sermon or listening to a lesson or whatever it may be, we don't need to expect all the time that we're going to learn something new. And learning something new is great. You know, I, I hope to, le to learn something new about God's Word each and every day. But what is most important is that we learn something and we are reminded of things so that we will put them into practice. And in order to put something into practice, oftentimes you need to have repetition. You need to hear the same thing over and over and you need to meditate on it. Repetition is very important. So reminders are very important. We need to be reminded of the fundamentals of God's Word each and every day so that in our daily lives we will not forget these things and we will be able to remember them even when we get busy, whether it be with our jobs or our families, whatever it may be. We need to be reminded. So what are some of the things that we need to be reminded of here specifically? Well, in verse 1, he says, to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. So Paul is saying here that it is the Christian's duty to be subject to rulers and authorities, to the governing powers that be. And it is human nature to be rebellious against authority, 
But God in His Word commands us to submit to the government as long as, and this is very important, as long as that does not cause us to sin. But we need to ask ourselves, okay, so here in the United States of America, you know, we live under the United States government. What does that look like in action to submit to the government? Well, here in the U.S., believers in Jesus Christ are to submit themselves fully and totally beneath all constitutional principles and laws that do not go against what God's Word says. We are to be submissive. We are to be humble. And I'm going to be completely and totally blunt here with y'all. That instruction still applies even when Joe Biden is in the office of president. And even when... Congress is held majority by the Democratic Party. And the reason I'm, I'm mentioning the Democrats and Joe Biden is because I imagine that the majority of us here lean rather conservative, rather Republican. So there are people on the other side of the political aisle who are holding the majority of power, and it can be a temptation for us at times to say, well, they're not my party, therefore I am not going to submit beneath the government's authority. That can be a real temptation. But we have to remember, like I mentioned earlier, that even though the people who are in positions of authority change, God's Word doesn't change. These instructions still apply to us here and now. We are to submit ourselves beneath the government's authority, beneath constitutional principles and laws, as long as we're not sinning, regardless of who is in office. And y'all, Paul was writing this during the time of Nero, Emperor Nero, and that dude was horrible. He was a horrible person. He was a pervert. He like burned part of Rome and blamed Christians and had Christians burned as human torches on the streets of Rome. That's the type of person he was. And yet Paul is saying, submit to the government as long as it doesn't lead you to sin. And Romans chapter 13 verse 1 says this, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by whom? By God. So, the United States government is an entity, a governing entity, that has been established by God. And we are to be humble and gentle and respectful and submissive. And additionally, our attitude toward the law of the land and the government will have an impact on what many outsiders think of Christianity. So if we are rebellious and we are arrogant and we are unsubmissive, that is going to look bad in the eyes of many unbelievers. That's going to make Christianity look bad. And take, take for instance, a child that is acting out in public around its family. Okay, it's kicking, it's screaming, it's spitting, it's knocking stuff off the grocery store aisle, it's wailing and gnashing its teeth in the floor, it's doing everything it can to make a scene. Well, how is its family usually going to feel? How are the parents specifically going to feel in that situation? They're going to be angry and they're going to be embarrassed, right? It's like you're making me look like a fool right now. And, and here, here's the thing, the child very well may make those parents look like they don't have a clue what they're doing in that moment, even though that may not be true. They may be great parents, they may be great people, but their kid's just having a spell on the grocery store floor. But people around them may think, well, the kid acts like that, that means that the parents don't have a clue what they're doing, even though that may not be true. They'll get the wrong idea. Y'all, it's the same type of thing with us. 
If we go against what God's Word says in regards to government and we are rebellious and arrogant and unsubmissive trying to cause division, that's going to make Christianity look bad. Even though there's nothing bad about Christianity, it's the best thing there is because God is the best thing there is. So, if we are submissive when it is right to be and not sinful to be, then that will have a positive impact on how outsiders see us. And in Titus chapter 2, verse 10, the Scripture says this, that believers are in everything to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Well, what does that mean, to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior? It means that believers are to make the gospel message look attractive by their actions. The word adorn in Greek means basically just to beautify something, to make something look attractive and beautiful. So we as believers in Jesus Christ, we can make the gospel message look attractive to outsiders by doing good works in society. As it says here in verse 1, we are to be ready for every good work. We are not to be rebels in society. We are to be constructive members of society, ready and willing to do whatever it takes to do good and to make the gospel look attractive. We are to be generous. We are to be kind. We are to promote unity. We are to promote the welfare of others in our nation. We're to be ready for every good work. And when we are performing good works, Jesus Christ himself says in Matthew chapter 5 that those around us will see our light and end up glorifying our Father who is in heaven. So we testify to the gospel both by preaching it by speaking to the world about repentance of sins and faith in Christ and the judgment to come, and by living out the transformation that the gospel provides in our own daily lives so that people will see the light of Christ in us. And I want to just want to stop here for a moment and be clear. I am not saying by any means or stretch of the imagination that you have to like everything that the government does, okay? Like every day when I look at the news, I'm just scratching my head wondering what in the world is going on. Like, what are our leaders doing, okay? So I feel the same way about these things as y'all do. I'm just simply saying that we are to submit ourselves when it is not sinful to do so. Because rebellion, sinful rebellion against government is evil in God's sight. Because He Himself has established the authorities that be. So we are to be submissive. And also in verse 2, we are reminded to, be, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. And here in verse 2, when it says to speak evil of no one, the Greek word that is used here is actually blasphemeo. And I imagine that sounds familiar to some of you here because it's where we get the word blaspheme from in English. And basically what this word refers to is speaking vile, evil things against someone else, whether it be against God or against another human being made in the image of God. It is when we speak about another person like they are trash. And let's be honest here, y'all. We all need to be convicted about this. How many times... Have those of us who are here, including myself, okay, I'm guilty of this too, including myself, have spoken this way about politicians and other people from the other side of the political aisle. How many times have we spoken about them like they are trash, like they are scum, like they don't matter to God? This is wrong before our king. 
because all people are made in the image of God. And yes, we are sinful. We are fallen. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of our leaders are, who are in government today, they are evil people. I am not going to deny that. We need to acknowledge that. But they are still loved by God, still made in His image. And Jesus still died for their sins, just like He died for ours. So how many times have we honestly stopped ourselves when we felt this burning anger and prayed for them in love and in concern and in compassion for their souls? That needs to be our response, not to speak about them like they're the dirt under our shoe, but it's to pray for them in love that they may be saved and that they may do what is righteous in the sight of God because God also commands us in His Word to pray for all of those who are in authority, to pray for their salvation, to pray for their well-being, and to pray that they will do what is righteous and just in the eyes of God. So it is acceptable before God to feel righteous indignation against sin and evil. It is acceptable before God to call out sin as sin and evil as evil. And it is even acceptable in the eyes of God to acknowledge that a certain individual or group of individuals is evil. And we know that this is acceptable in God's sight because Christ Himself did all of these things and we know that He never sinned. So yes, these things are permissible, absolutely, and necessary at times. However, it is unacceptable before God to hate unbelievers and to be sinfully angry with them and to speak evil things about them. Call out evil and sin, yes, by all means, but don't call people idiots and morons in terms like that. Because according to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, you know what he says about that? He says when you are angry with someone in your heart, when you are enraged with someone and you call them a nasty term that you have just murdered them in your heart. It's the same as murdering them in the eyes of God, except you're doing it in your heart. So it's a very serious matter. We are to cleanse ourselves of such things, my brothers and sisters. Amen. We are to avoid all hostile arguments. We are to be gentle and we are to show perfect courtesy towards all people. And notice it says they're all people. It doesn't just say to other conservatives or to other Republicans. It says to all people, rich and poor, black and white, Democrat, Republican. Whatever, whatever distinction there may be in society, it doesn't matter in regards to this instruction. We are to show perfect courtesy and humility and gentleness towards all people. At times, yes, we need to call people out for their sin, absolutely, but we do that with the motivation of love and not simply to shame them. And also, y'all, we can't be getting caught up in the current foolishness of our society because our society, is, is they've got it all wrong. They're doing it all wrong because conservatives and liberals alike are both capable of acting like fools in their interactions with one another. And if believers, if we are to be a witness of the love and the holiness of God, then we have to avoid these things. We can't be getting caught up in stuff like this. Proclaim the truth of God's Word without changing. Yes, and if people are offended, so be it. Because let me tell you, unbelievers are going to be offended by what God's Word says because they will be confronted by their sin. That will happen. So be it. But don't stoop down 
to sinful bickering and name-calling and hatred. Don't stoop down to the level that our society is currently at because that is not pleasing to God. That will not have a good impact on what outsiders think of Christianity and we will get nowhere. We will rather become bitter. And also I want to add a little side note here. This is something that I myself had to be very, very careful with, okay? Consuming media material where these types of things are present will tempt us to stoop down to that level as well. And for me personally, I like to listen to, you know, to conservative and Republican material quite often, whether it be on YouTube or a podcast, whatever. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I do notice at times that some of the people I listen to do not respond to other people from the other side of the political spectrum with love and grace and respect. Okay, they rather respond to them with with hatred and nasty terms and all this stuff. And I have to remind myself in that moment, hey, that right there is not acceptable in the eyes of God. You know, learning facts and learning things, you know, that support my political position and whatever. There's nothing wrong with that, but I cannot be treating other people like trash. So when I see those things, I have to be careful to remember, hey, I can't be doing that. Yeah, I can remember these things that this person that said that are helpful, but I cannot be stooping down to that type of attitude that they have towards these other groups of people. So my friends, in conclusion on these two verses here, show God's love to everyone, to all people. Bless when you are cursed and learn to forgive. Have the same heart of Christ himself who, when he was being murdered on the cross, prayed that God would forgive those who were murdering him. Those who had put the crown of thorns on his head, those who had taken a stick and beaten that same crown of thorns so that it would pierce his skull. The same people who had mocked him with a robe and who had spit on him and who had punched him, who had blindfolded him, even though he had done nothing wrong, nothing to deserve these things. The same people who drove nails through his hands and his feet and mocked him while he was on the cross, while he was dying for their sin, for their rebellion and not his own. He prayed that God would forgive them because Christ still loved them even there. May we strive to, same, to have that same type of love within us. May we ask and plead with God our Father to grace us with that type of love for our enemies. But maybe, we have to be honest here, maybe in this moment you're asking yourself, really? But, but why, honestly? I mean, why, why should I continue or why should I have to extend grace and mercy to those who absolutely don't deserve it? Why, why should I continue to love those who hate my country, who hate my values, and who want to destroy these things? Why should I continue to love them? Well, let's look at verse 3. We'll find the answer. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. Why should we extend grace and mercy both to those who are in the government and outside of it? For we ourselves were just like them foolish, disobedient, slaves to various passions and pleasures, led astray, passing our days in malice and in envy, hated by others and hating one another. 
We should extend grace and mercy to those who don't deserve it because guess what? We never did either. And maybe we have never been practicing homosexuals, but maybe we have been fornicators. Some of us here have practiced sexual immorality in body and in mind. Some of us here have practiced adultery in body and in mind. And maybe we have never supported abortion, but boy, have we murdered other people in our hearts many times. Some of us have lived lives full of rage and selfishness and bitterness and hateful anger. Maybe we've never supported the liberal agenda, but we have. Some of us here have been liars and hypocrites. Some of us have lived lives of gossip and jealousy and idolatry. Some of us here have lived lives where we were hooked on things like alcohol and drugs and pornography and various sinful activities. My dear brothers and sisters, do we understand this? That before being saved and freed from these sinful lifestyles, we were all enemies of God who walked in darkness. We were His enemies. We didn't want anything to do with Him. We worshipped everything that there was in this creation besides Him. We ourselves were in desperate need of the grace of Almighty God. Amen. And Paul, he recounts our story here in verses 3 through 7. He says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God demonstrates His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still His enemies, while we still hated Him, while we didn't want to do anything with Him, when we rebelled against Him, when we didn't want Him to be King over all, Christ died for us. He died for the people who are murdering Him, and He died for us all who are living today who sinned and rebelled against Him. So the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared in the person and work of Jesus Christ, and it is through Him that we are saved. And y'all, I have said this many times before, and I will continue to say it, that God gave us His very best even when we deserved His absolute worst for our sins against Him. And listen, we didn't earn our salvation by our works. Those of us here are, who are here today who are saved, are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. We didn't earn it. We're no better than anyone else, y'all. We're no better than anyone else by ourselves. In fact, our works were going to earn us a spot in hell for all eternity under the wrath of God because He is not only loving, He is also just. But God in His mercy made a way out for us through Christ. So we are saved by the mercy of God through faith alone in Christ alone. That's the only way we're saved. We're no better than anyone else. We didn't tie up our moral bootstraps and say, you know what? I'm going to be better than the people of this world. I'm going to save myself. No, it doesn't work like that. It never has and it never will. 
It's simply by the grace and love and mercy of God displayed in the cross of Jesus Christ and through His resurrection that we are saved. And now, in Christ, we have been born again. As Paul says here, we have been washed and regenerated and renewed by the Holy Spirit. We have been born again. We have been made new. So now, as believers, you know, we live lives where we love righteousness and we desire to please God. And yes, we still sin, but we don't walk in sinful lifestyles like the world does. We are people who naturally love what is righteous. We are not people who simply have, who, who, uh, have to open up the Bible and say, well, I've got to do everything I can to conform myself to this. No, God has given us a new heart and a new mind in which His law is implanted. So yes, we need to read the Scripture, but when we read the Scripture, if we are truly born again, there will be a natural desire to carry it out. We will strive for holiness. We will grow in holiness. And this is all because of the grace and mercy of God. Amen. It's all because of Him. Our salvation starts, continues, and ends with God, by God, and for the glory of God alone. And it's by His mercy. It's not by our works. It's not because we're better than anyone else. It's not because we figured it out. It's none of that. It's by the grace of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit whom we have responded positively to. So yes, we still sin. We're, we're not perfect, but we no longer walk in rebellion like the world does. But that does not give us the excuse to hate unbelievers or to treat them wrong. Because like I said before, by ourselves, we're just like them. We are no different without the influence of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives. So as we are drawing this message to a close, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, may we remember our stories, our redemption stories, how God has saved us from darkness and brought us into the light, into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. May we remember our own pasts and what God has saved us from. And may we not do this to guilt trip ourselves over sins that Jesus has already forgiven, but rather so that we will extend grace and mercy to those who don't deserve it. Because we will realize when we consider what God saved us from that, hey, I didn't deserve grace and mercy from Him either, but He showed it to me. Therefore, I am to show it to others. I mean, honestly, let's ask ourselves this question here. How would we feel if God treated us like we treat other people at times? How would we feel if our king treated us like we treat other people. That should convict us all. It should convict us all to the heart. AJ, if you'll come. Christians here in the United States, we need to be more heavenly minded than we are politically minded, y'all. And we need to stop being hateful. And listen, I care about my country, and we all should care about what happens to the United States of America, both for the sake of the generations who are coming behind us and to honor those who fought for our freedoms before us. Yes, we should care about what happens to our country, and we should promote good things in our society and promote godly principles and values so that hopefully our country will stay and remain on the face of the earth. But even if it doesn't, even if all falls, falls apart, whether the United States stands or falls, our ultimate priority is serving God 
and working for His kingdom because His kingdom will last forever. The things of this world will pass away, but God and His kingdom will remain forever and ever. So let that be our ultimate priority. And honestly, just on a side note here, if we were to promote the things of God and His kingdom and to promote those things in our society, I imagine there would be a lot of good reform and we would see a turn in the tide. It's just my personal opinion and I pray for that. But we are to be focused upon God and upon His kingdom above all else. We are to preach the gospel and the truth without changing and we are to do it all in love. Because the Apostle Paul, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that you can speak in the tongues of angels and of men, and you can move mountains with your faith, and you can know all things. You, you can prophesy and reveal all, all mysteries and all knowledge, and you can even go and die as a martyr for Christ. But if you don't have love in your heart for God and for others, then in God's sight, you have done nothing of value. And that's why the greatest two commandments are this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the center of it all. And we do not need to lose sight of this, my friends, even when our nation is in turmoil. Please stand with me. My challenge for myself and for you all here today is that we remember our salvation stories and that we extend God's love to a dying world. Because there are people in our country who are in such desperate need of the love of God that we could not imagine it. And there are people on the other side of the political spectrum that we look at and we're like, what are they doing? What are they thinking? Listen, those same types of people are going through things themselves. They're hurting. They're in need. They're in bondage to sin. They have afflictions. They have tribulations in their lives. And they need to know that God loves them. Because if the only thing that they get from Christians is that they're horrible, awful people, they're not going to change. They need to hear about their sin. Yes, absolutely. And they also need to hear that God loves them and offers forgiveness of sins for them. In this moment, I'd like for everyone to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And if there's anyone who would like to come and pray at the altar for any and every reason, then you are more than welcome to do so. The altars are open. And before we close in prayer, I would just like to add that if there is anyone here today who is not trusting in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, then I plead with you to put your faith in Christ here and now because the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. It doesn't say tomorrow. And the reason it doesn't say tomorrow is because we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised five seconds from now. So if there's anyone here who has not put their faith in Christ, who is not actively trusting in Christ alone for their salvation as their Lord, then I plead with you to do that because only in Christ will you find forgiveness for your sins and access to eternal life in heaven with God, a new purpose and a new way to live. Let's pray. God, we praise you and thank you for your word, Lord. Um, we praise you and thank you that regardless of whatever nation we're living in or what time of the world we're living in, God, regardless of what's going on, Lord, your word it never changes and it holds true and it can still speak to us, God, regardless of where we're at or what we're doing, God. We thank you and praise you for that, Lord, for the glories of your word that you use to prune us, to discipline us, to instruct us, God, and to lead us in holiness and in love before you. And God, I pray for each and every individual here today, Lord. I pray, God, that we will all take this message to heart 
take the Scripture to heart. God, I pray that we will extend grace and mercy to those who don't deserve it. I pray, God, also that we will never compromise with sin and that if it is necessary, Lord, that we will have to stand up and, and disobey if that is Your will, God. But until that day comes, God, I pray that You will help us to be submissive, help us to be humble, help us to be loving and gentle and kind, God. Help us to stand for the truth and to do so in love. Fill our hearts with Your love and Your grace and Your mercy for those around us, God. And help us to remember our stories, Lord, that we once were all living in darkness and walking in lies and in hypocrisy and in the ways of this world, God. But by Your grace and mercy, You saved us. Lord, may we pray that You do the same with all the unbelievers who are in our nation and in the world around us as well. God, we love you. We glorify you. We praise you. Protect us, Lord, from all dangers, physical and spiritual. Have your will and your way, God, in us and through us, both now and forevermore, Lord. Helps to be good, loving, kind people in society and help us to always be focused upon your kingdom and your will above all else, God. We love you and praise you and thank you. Cleanse us, purify us, God. Make us more like your son. In Jesus' name, amen.